Good morning, everybody. Good morning. So good to be with you guys here this morning. Let's, um, let's stand and uh, ready ourselves to worship. Um, we're in the Advent season, and uh, we wait expectantly for the Lord. We ponder his, his arrival and celebrate his, his arrival in, in, the, in the coming weeks. So a little piece of scripture, Lamentations 3, it says, It is good that he waits silently for the salvation of the Lord. So let, let our hearts be content in the expectation and the waiting of him. So let's join our hearts this morning and just worship him. It's a beautiful day that he's given us here. Look up. Well, I guess you can't look up. I can, I can tell you. <laughs> It is a beautiful blue sky out here, and he is so good. He's given us every new breath he gives us is just a blessing. So let's join our hearts together this morning. Come all ye faithful. Come all ye faithful. Joyful and triumphant. Oh, come ye, oh, come ye to Bethlehem. And come and behold him, born the King of angels. Oh, come. Christ. 
bless you this morning, Lord. Worthy are you. He is worthy to be praised this morning. us to raise our praises towards him right now. So when I, when I say sing a little louder, what are you going to do? That's right. That's the easy one. Let's do that. One, two. Sing a little louder. 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 
Sing a little louder. Sing a little louder. Sing a little louder. Sing a little louder. Come on, this is good. Sing a little louder. In the presence of my enemy. Sing a little louder. Louder than the other. Yes, Lord. Sing a little louder. My weapon is a melody. Sing a little louder. our praises to you this morning. You are worthy to be praised, Lord. You are a good God, Lord. We worship your holy name this morning.
Why don't we be seated? I'm going to ask John just to play. So we're in Advent season. You can close your eyes. You can open your eyes. You can keep your sunglasses on. You can take them off. You can sit in a prescribed church chair or a beach chair. You can wear slacks or jeans today. Um, you can do about anything you want. And... Uh, it's so good to see everybody. So let's just take a minute. Let the Holy Spirit just work in our hearts a little bit. So, John, if you just play.
Amen. Thank you, John. So it is so good to see everyone here. I feel like this is, in some ways, it feels like the first time we've been together in nine months. You know, we've had different meetings and things, but to see so many of you this morning with your kids and just to see your smiling faces and we're here on this Sabbath to do what? To honor God and to hear the word of the Lord. And so I've got a couple of, um, we do have a, a box on the table over there uh, for offerings. Anybody that wanted to put an offering can put it in that box on the, the water table uh, after church. And um, we are serving uh, Colombian brewed coffee uh, brought in specially by Juan Valdez. So this, is, this isn't Starbucks stuff, okay? You've not had coffee like what they prepared. Each bean is individually roasted and prepared for you. So please make sure you take, even if you're not a coffee lover, you're going to love this coffee. How's that for an ad? I also want to say, uh, again, I, I thank them in front of the men, but I didn't thank for the ladies. Uh, Steve Wan and Bill Malstead, CM, and I've missed some others, uh, have really worked hard to make this tent work. And uh, Curtis, appreciate Curtis. Where are you, Curtis? You're around. There you are. Uh, Ty, Ty, sorry. <laughs> but it was a lot of work. And after we had those high winds, Bill had to go all the way back up to Compton. And they've really worked hard for you all. And can we give him a hand? And also, I was here at 5 a.m. putting these flowers up. Uh, no, I, I think my wife was and her, whoever worked with Dudley, just how we turned this back parking lot with flowers, Christmas trees, it's happening. I don't know. It's, uh, it's amazing. So, well, it's really good also for all the guests that are here that are uh, friends of Charles from times past and uh, some that have come out specially today to uh, hear Charles in person. We just want to welcome you and have you feel like this is your church home today. Is that good? Great. Well, in introducing Charles, um, most of you here would know him or know things about him. Uh, so, but I, I just was thinking this morning, I wanted to read out of um, Acts chapter one where the disciples are asking Jesus about when he's coming back again. And he says to them, it's not for you to know the times or the epics, which the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and even to the remotest parts of the world. So Charles and I have had, uh, we always have terrific fellowship while he's here. And last night we were talking, we went, I went all the way back. I, we were asking um, when he preached his first sermon. And when he, it was when he was 18 years old. And uh, what was that, 20 years ago? <laughs> but this, this year he celebrates 65 years of ministry. Isn't that amazing? And... <clears throat> His, his Jerusalem was Alabama, 
He was raised in a rural culture in Alabama, Louisiana. His uh, Judea, a lot of that began in the southeast and eventually spread throughout the United States. And uh, his Samaria is that God has given him, uh, from a Baptist background, given him favor across denominations so that Charles has literally spoken in almost every venue and gathering of different types of Christians you could imagine. And, and lastly, uh, the remotest parts of the world. Every time we're here, we're talking about things. And he said, yeah, I was up in Alaska three times. And I said, I didn't know you went to Alaska. He said, yeah, it's cold up there. <laughs> and he said, yeah, I got lost in Thailand one time. I said, Thailand? I said, yeah. Been to India a couple times. I don't think I'm going back there. And uh, but he's been New Zealand, um, but it's more than just where he Europe for sure. But he's also equipped leaders around the world so that some of the most extensive work uh, through Charles's life is in the Middle East, in Africa, and around the globe. And so it's I'm just telling you that to give you a a picture of what it is. I don't know any of us that do things for 65, we're happy, many have been happy to live 65 years, but I'm just grateful. So he's a great grandfather, a grandfather, and a father. So Charles, come and deliver what's on your heart. Thank you for helping out. We never see the technicians unless something goes wrong, <laughs> but I appreciate them, especially nowadays. I wish you'd record that introduction. It was wonderful. <laughs> I want to play it for my family. The reason I travel so much is people kept wanting to send me away. <laughs> <laughs> well, I want to put this on something. Uh, thank you. It's just great to be here and uh, see people that you love and some you've known for a long, long time. Glad to have friends from different places, Larry and Nita here from Nevada, and John and Gretel from a little farther south, and I don't know, I hate to call names because uh, there's so many out of call. I appreciate the fellowship with uh, your pastor and his family, the great hosts, and the leaders that you have. And uh, it's great that uh, your leadership is team builders and not just trying to be stars, but promote others as well. That's a good thing. If you would just pray with me and pray for me, I'd appreciate it. 
Lord, we are truly grateful, heartfelt, heart full of gratitude. Thank you, Father, for the goodness that you've shown us and help us to be good stewards of that. I pray you will that you will bless your word to our hearts and glorify your name. I want to thank you, Father, for those that have made today possible throughout the centuries. Names we'll never know. And those who've given their lives so we'd have the freedom to do what we're doing. Thank you, Jesus. Now I pray that you would help us to be true to the spirit of the word and the word and help us to be doers and not hearers only. In Jesus' name, amen. If you'd like to turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Matthew, the uh, fifth chapter. These are crazy times. And we were born for them. I'm not sure what that meant, but it's certainly uh, God put us here. And um, I'm sure he has some things in mind that uh, we don't know. I hate confusion. I love order. Um, I'm OCD. That's a confession. I... I uh, I have personality disorder. <laughs> I, um, <laughs> I like things neat and um, in order. I love the verse that says all things should be done decently and in order. I'm old school. And this is a disorderly time. Strange. And I have to fight getting upset and remembering some old vocabulary that I put aside a long time ago. Um, there's a wreck beside the road and the whole family was killed and a guy drove up wondering what happened and there was a monkey on top of the car. And uh, he said, too bad the monkey can't talk, he's the only one who knows what happened. Another fellow drove up said, what happened? He said, only the monkey knows. He said, well, I'm good with animals. So he said to the monkey, he said, uh, what were the kids doing in the car? And the monkey did. He said, they were fighting. The monkey shook his head. He said, what was the woman doing? He said, she was talking. <laughs> yeah. He said, what was the man doing? He was, <laughs> oh, he was drinking. The monkey shook his head. He said, what were you doing? He said, Bruh. <laughs> That has no political implications whatsoever, but thank God that Jesus is sovereign and remains. Um, I want to talk to you this morning about the power of mercy. Um, mercy doesn't sound powerful, but it has tremendous power. And I'm asking God to help me because I'll tend to go too long. And if you get through before I do, I understand. <laughs> I, um, 
but I want you to I want you to receive what the scripture says and I'm committed to the word of God and not simply my opinion this is a sermon on the mount now I, I could get stuck just saying that but Matthew 5 6 and 7 are far more relevant than we realize and they seem in character so remote from where we are but I'll read verse 4 I'm sorry but <laughs> I'll read, I'll read verse 7. It's terrible not to know your text. Verse 7. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Let's say it together. Blessed are the merciful. I appreciate the worship team singing about the goodness of God because that's part of my text. If I ask for a show of hands on how many of you believe God's been good to you, I'm sure you would all raise your hands. I want to go to Romans, and I'm just trying to restrain myself as far as text or concern, but Romans, um, I believe Romans 4, no, Romans 2, 4. Um, let, let what the scripture says now remember who Paul was before he wrote the book of Romans before he met the Lord he was a, he was a religious mean man I know you know there's no such thing as religious mean people but and I hope you weren't one I was um, he, he says wow I'm trying to restrain how many verses. Um, let's go to verse 1. Therefore you are inexcusable, O man, whoever you are who judge. Now remember, judgment here is not evaluation, it's condemnation. For in whatever you judge another, you condemn yourself. For you who judge practice the same things. But we know that the judgment of God is according to truth against those who practice such things. In other words, it's righteous. God's judgment is righteous. Or, or, or do you think this, O man, you who judge those practicing such things that, and doing the same, that you will escape the judgment of God? Or do you, do you despise the riches of his goodness, forbearance and long-suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leads you to repentance. The goodness of God leads to repentance. Let's say it together. The goodness of God, and it's not the judgment of God. Now bear in mind, I'm not talking about evaluating and discernment. I'm talking about condemnation. It's not the condemnation of God that leads to repentance. It's the goodness of God that leads to repentance, and he says, do you despise the goodness of God? Has God been good to you? Um, when you didn't know how good he was being, even when uh, maybe you were in discipline or time out, or when you were uh, in, in, a, in a difficult place, was God being good? Um, did he have something bigger in mind? Um, 
I want to read from James, the second chapter. Now, we just, we're talking about be careful about judging people because you come under judgment. And um, in, in James, he's talking about keeping the law, but if you break one part, you broke the whole thing because it's a set. It's all connected. And then <clears throat> he says in verse 12, so speak and do, so do as those who will be judged by the law of liberty, for judgment is without mercy to the one who has shown no mercy, Mercy triumphs over judgment. Mercy triumphs. Mercy is more powerful than judgment. Lord, help me this morning. Um, now, I'm not talking down to anybody. Forget I'm a minister. Just think, this guy is, was a rascal with a bad mouth, bad attitude, and love religion. Uh, and God in his mercy didn't kill him, though he looked like he would, which motivated the young man. Now, the, I, want, I, don't, I don't want you to think the reverend is preaching a sermon. I want you to think, thank God for his goodness and mercy. Um, I, I think it'd be wonderful if you look back and, and, and saw a time when he, he didn't have to. <laughs> and you didn't know if he would. <laughs> There's probably two or three of you like that in here anyway. Um, I am. <clears throat> now, Matthew 5, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. How many of you want mercy? Anybody here? Amen. How do you get it? Pretty simple. How do you get mercy? Go ahead. Show mercy. That's too simple, isn't it? <laughs> the doctor told the guy, said, you have ergophobia. He said, what does that mean? He said, it means you're lazy. He said, give me that long word again. Now, the, you know, sometimes God's too simple. We want the long word. We want a theologian's explanation rather than just, hey, here's the sword, I'll cut you. Now, the, I want mercy. I bet you do too. A mercy is an act of kindness to someone who needs it and may not deserve it. And it's the character of God to show mercy. I'll talk about why the law in a few minutes. But God is good and his mercy is everlasting. In Psalm 136, and you don't need to turn, but every verse talks about the mercy of God. The scripture mentions it in that text 26 times. And the word there is an intranslatable word. It's, it uses the word mercy, but it's bigger than that. It's a Hebrew word that we have no English word for. It's the word hesed, H-E-S-E-D, or chesed, which is a guttural sound, C-H-E-S-E-D, or C-E-D, it's spelled different ways. But it's God's faithfulness to be kind. It's 
It's a covenant faithfulness. It's God has bound himself to you in a, in a bond that cannot be broken. He will not break it. It's covenant love. It's, it's translated in Psalm 136 as mercy, goodness. Over 40 words in the English language are used to translate this one particular word. And it, it speaks to me that the nature of God is inexplicable. We cannot fully understand why God does what he does, but he is who he is and he wants to be kind to us. Now the key, the key is to steward the kindness that he's given us in our dealings with others. It's simple, but it's a key. And James, it's a very practical book to read now, James says, judgment will be without mercy to those who have mercy but don't give mercy. Are you listening to me now? How many of you know we all have mercy? What happens if we're not merciful to our future? Now, the power of mercy is to qualify to receive mercy. The power of mercy is to qualify us. Let me just say it this way. It's just, it's just minimally intelligent to be merciful. You don't have to be a genius or a savant. I mean, if you're just you know, above 40, you... You ought to be kind. How many of you want mercy again? Let me see your hands. How many of you? I do. I want mercy all day long. And uh, you say, well, that's not a good motivation. Well, it beats none. I'll tell you that. We, you, we, if you want the mercy of God, you remember the story in the Bible that Jesus said there was a man who was forgiven like millions of dollars worth of stuff by his master. He could never pay it back. And he went out and found somebody that owed him just you know, $17, and said, pay up or I'll, I'll put you in prison. Began to abuse him, and, and the master heard about it. And he destroyed this guy. Now, who's the, what's the story about? It's about God being merciful. We had a debt we could not pay. I love the old course. Um, we had a debt we could not pay. He paid a debt. The debt we owed, anyway, it's <laughs> so much of my life has got those parentheses in it right now, anyway. <laughs> but you see, if, 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 if God sent Jesus, who was ultimately crucified and then rose again, in order to show us mercy, and then we go out and find somebody who owes us a little debt, and we start choking on them or, or, or wanting to destroy their life or just putting bad words on them, we're in trouble. Now, how many of you know our culture is in trouble right now because mercy is not a big deal? Once the enemy comes in, once the enemy gets in charge, it's, it's all about cursing and canceling. 
You can say one, I'm glad I don't have a TV job. Somebody in here may, and I, I pray for you. But you, you just have to say one dumb thing, and it's over. What kind of culture is this where there's no room for error except on your part? What's that going to do with us in the presence of God who says, Judgment will be without mercy to him who has mercy and shows no mercy. Now, this is a principle. I'm not trying to preach at us, condemn us, threaten us. I'm just simply saying, let's be smart. Let's be good. I, I, I would encourage the Sermon on the Mount. I, it's hard. It's, a, it's so nice. It's hard. Love your enemies. Well, that works if you're passive. That works if you're a coward. That works if you're, you know, not real. If you're real, you'll kill. Anyway, uh, <laughs> excuse me. You'll sublimate it all and let the acid burn your stomach out. Now, this. This is, uh, this is not good for us. And we can't fake it. I can't. Some people can. I can't. I have those other genes. And I just have to let you know. <laughs> and if you didn't get it, i let you know again. And the, the thing is, that's not the Sermon on the Mount. It's not about being weak. My goodness, Jesus wasn't weak. He made everything. One angel killed 180,000 one night. The Bible says, and they woke up and they were dead. Now, the, that's one angel. He's got thousands of angels, and then he made them, so who is he? He made the galaxies. Who is he? What kind of a mind is this? But he condescended to men of low estate. He sent his son into the world who made himself of no reputation, humbled himself, became a servant, Philippians 2, and was good to us. God is so good. The goodness of God leads men to want to be with him. And it's, in, it's hard in this country. I'm telling you, there's a lot of stuff I don't agree with. And I see somebody that I don't agree with who's intensely disagreeable. And uh, <clears throat> what was that you said, Lauren? Um, can I go on Facebook? And anyway, uh, I didn't mean to bring that up. My goodness, that keeps coming out. Um, by the way, do you keep a record of all that, Lord? Anyway, um, Maybe if I choke him, he'll get saved. Now, the, the law has no mercy. Say it with me. The law, you see, Lady Justice is pictured as blindfolded. And the balances are there. Now, justice is supposed to be, <clears throat> oh, God help us, without partiality. 
because the law is there to arbitrate those who are, not arbitrate, but to anyway, to reveal those whose uh, actions are wrong, no matter who they are. Um, wow. God help us. You remember the woman caught in adultery? Now the law says she could be stoned or would be stoned. I don't know how they knew where she was, the Pharisees, but they did. And uh, so they found her. I don't know what happened to the guy. Maybe he was carrying rocks too. I don't know. But they brought her to Jesus. And here she is. She knows the law. She knows they've got rocks. They're very religious, by the way, very. Observed all the 600 laws about the Sabbath and so forth. And they said to Jesus, of course, Jesus knew the law. He's, a, he's the one that told Moses about it. We'll talk about why. But the, they said, the law says, stoner, what do you say? Now, notice the juxtaposition between what the law says, which is good and holy, the Bible says, and it's absolutely impartial, and what Jesus says. The law says, what do you say? He said, well, let the first one of you that never sinned throw the first rock. And they all dropped their rocks. Because they understood that if you broke one, you broke the whole bunch. It's a set. And, um, and I don't know, before they did that, he wrote on the ground. I don't know if he's writing a phone number or what, but he wrote something on the ground that messed them up. While he was waiting, he said, let the one of you without sin throw the first stone. He was writing on the ground, and uh, <clears throat> they walked away. If, if, if you see somebody, and I, 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 I'm not a pacifist, I believe that the government is there to exercise the law and protect the people. I believe there's a time to stand up and fight. I'm not a wimp, but I, I think it takes courage to understand what we're talking about. This is a divine principle. They walked away. He said, where are your accusers? She said, there are none. He said, neither do I, but go and sin no more. Now, you see it in that little story right there, the difference between the law and Jesus. Do you think that woman was motivated to serve God? or to? It's the goodness of God that leads people to repentance. <clears throat> if you want to reach somebody, especially in this culture, don't approach them with a Bible verse. Approach them with the love of God and the mercy of God. The Bible verse will come if you build credibility with them, if they want to know. But uh, let me ask you a question. How many of you think the world looks at the church and 
and, 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 and sees it for its mercy. Now, the church has mercy, but how many of you think maybe the enemies caused the, and maybe the church has, caused the world to see us as legalistic? This is a deal. This is important. It's, it's important for us as well as for the world. How you treat somebody who's obviously wrong, realizing that you've been obviously wrong sometimes too, is something God observes. And it matters. Jesus <clears throat> is mercy in the flesh. He is mercy personified. He said, I desire mercy and not sacrifice. We tr traditionally have associated great sacrifices with being spiritual, but Jesus said mercy is more important than that. You can be self-denying and sacrificial, but also self-righteous. Who do you think loves most, Jesus said, he that's forgiven much or he that's forgiven a little? Jesus came for sinners. He didn't come for the righteous. He said the righteous don't, the, the, the well don't need a physician. It's sinners. I, I, I think it's wonderful to have a spiritual family. It's wonderful to interact and love one another, be bonded. Covenant, that's, that's a word I like to use. But it's, It's a problem if we get locked up in our comfort zone and are not able to show mercy beyond our borders. <clears throat> if we can't, and, and I'm not accusing you of that I, I, or, or any particular church, but I see it as a problem because we get comfortable and familiar with those whose behavior is like ours, we get very uncomfortable with people whose behavior is not, and we don't always know how to deal with it. And we're in a situation where that's intensifying, and we're coming to a time when it would intensify even more. And the obscenities being shouted in our culture are so egregious and offensive to us if we're not careful, we'll respond in kind and are in many cases. Forgetting that we receive the mercy of God and don't know how to extend it to these who are so egregious, so wrong, and Perhaps are. But Jesus came, Isaiah 61, he said, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because he has anointed me. Isaiah says this. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because he's anointed me to pre preach the gospel to the poor and, and, to, the, and to blind and the imprisoned and the hungry. It's those in need. It's those that need it. He said, it's not the well. It's not the one that's well off. It's the one that's in need, <clears throat> Jesus was called a friend of sinners because he hung out with them. He drank with them. Grape juice. 
Now, I'm not suggesting let's all go have a drink with the sinner. <laughs> Some of you already got that message. Now, um, what I'm suggesting is that if we, if we never become a friend of sinners, we'll never communicate the mercy of God to sinners. And a lot, a lot of times we forget that we were sinners. When I, when I first started preaching, I was a firebrand fundamentalist, not totally sanctified. Maybe, maybe 10% anyway. I didn't want to be a preacher. Still don't. I mean, I enjoy my work. I enjoy people. I love people. But I don't like being put in that position because there's nobody that can fit that image totally. And um, so I was preaching, and I decided to bring a friend of mine from high school. We played football together, and I was going to bring him to hear me preach. And this church was a struggling church, didn't have any money. That's why they were able to have me. And uh, anyway, <clears throat> and I needed the practice, and so I went. It was the... Uh, it, it was the worst church in the Association of 90 Churches. It's all right. Um, tell them I'll be there in a minute. It's emergency. Uh, so anyway, I brought him, and, uh, you know, there were 35, 40 people there, and I was rearing back and preaching a good, hard Baptist Bible fundamentalist and I'm not being critical. It's just that was my mentality. And <clears throat> so driving home, I wanted to know what he thought about it. And uh, I said, Albert, um, what'd you think? He said, well, <laughs> he said, if I didn't know you, I thought you'd never sinned. <laughs> the problem was he did know me. I mean, we, 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 we hung out together. He lived about 150 yards from me. I thought, man, that, that was ugly. Say something like that to me. I preached a good sermon. God was told he could take his mask off. His whole face fell off. You know, we mask more than we know. What has been given to us? Well, above all, mercy. Mercy is more powerful than judgment because it releases you from judgment. Now, let, let me try to put it this way, and I'm going to close up. If you refuse the covenant of mercy, you go back under the law because that's the only option. In other words, our choice is we can live under mercy or we can live under law. So, if I've been under mercy, help me, Lord. If I've lived under mercy and appreciated it, not fully understanding it, but thanking God for it, and I know I have it, and so I go out here and I don't 
show mercy, I go back under the covenant of law, which is impartial and judgmental. That's the only options. If I have mercy, I have to show mercy. If I don't, I come under judgment. Now, to me, that's what the scripture says. Some people might debate that. That's okay. But judgment will be without mercy, he says, if we withhold mercy. And Jesus says the same thing in the parable that he gives about the guy who got mercy and then went out and didn't show it. So Israel rejected the opportunity. Hear me now. Jesus was giving them the opportunity to escape the worst slaughter probably in history up to that point. You see, the Romans were ruthless, and they had their laws. And a Roman soldier could say to a man in front of his wife and kids, Carry my burden a mile, and it was legal. How embarrassing, how humiliating that a foreigner could tell me I had to carry his load in front of my family. Wow, kill that. Be careful. That dirty. Ooh. In the name of Jesus. Now, the, now, Jesus is saying, hold up, hold up, hold up. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they are the children of God. Blessed are the meek, those that are restrained. If he says, take it. Now, he's preaching to a crowd of people. This is his inauguration sermon on the hillside by Galilee. And he's preaching to this great crowd of people. And he said, if a Roman soldier tells you, take, take my burden one mile, say, sure, I'll take it too. Now, how did that go over? I can see the guys out there. This is not a women's prayer meeting. This is a bunch of fishermen and people, some tough guys, and and, and they said, are you nuts? That I will take that guy's burden two miles. I take it one because I have to. He can put me in jail. He could beat me. He could hurt my family. Yeah, I'll take it a mile. Take it two voluntarily. You're crazy. What kind of a preacher are you? No, Jesus is saying something. I'm going to show you how to reach a Roman by going beyond the necessary. And he was also showing them how to escape what was going to happen. But they didn't hear it. They didn't like it. I don't like it either. So they rejected it. Forty years later, the Romans slaughtered Jews so there wasn't a tree left to hang one on. Because they couldn't understand. They couldn't do it. A woman emailed me. She said, what do you think about all this? I know her convictions. 
I know she's a tough gal, beautiful, but strong. And having to read news she doesn't like or agree with. And if she doesn't, she'll be fired. And all of her, all of her social media is recorded by and watched by others. She's in a large market, an affiliate of a major network. And I've known her since she was a child. Her mother and father were baptized in the Holy Spirit in our ministry. Beautiful girl, grew up successful. But tough. Strong Christian. I said, you got to read the Sermon on the Mount. I'm not asking you to be passive. I'm not asking you to throw your convictions down. I'm simply asking you to love your enemies and do good to those that despitefully use you. Oh, that's hard. I know how hard it is. Did I say weak? No. Did I say passive? No. But be led by the Spirit with the grace of God and the mercy of Jesus in how you deal with this garbage we're dealing with. I don't know if I'm clear, but I beg you, don't get too holy. And don't get nasty in the name of Jesus because it'll come back on you and you won't reach anybody with it. You'll just polarize it more and that's the devil's plan all along. I don't want judgment. I don't want to go to prison. I don't want to be a martyr. Could happen because I talk too much. but I don't want it to be for being hateful in the name of Jesus. God bless you. Let's stand. Surely goodness and what? Shall what? Follow me. How many days of my life? Surely goodness and mercy. I think we probably, last week I think it was, I asked how many have been mad at the government, or mad at the governor, or mad at the president, or mad at the president-elect, or mad at, mad at whoever that is. And we've all raised our hands at some point that we've been angry because we see different injustices at different times. But what I believe I heard in Charles is just that there's a deeper well 
than our perspective. And it's Christ's perspective in us, the hope of glory and mercy. I, Charles, when you said, um, blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy, is that what it really means? <laughs> is that what it means? So how many would like to be greater extenders of mercy? Can we see it? Let's make that a point that we really look Advent season, the coming of the Lord, that something merciful is rising up in those that have wronged us. It doesn't, not wimps, doesn't mean you don't confront, doesn't mean you don't deal with it. But let's let that be a hallmark of our church, of, as people in the church, not as the label of Saddleback Covenant, but as us as individuals. And kids, did you get it? This goes in high school. Goes, goes there. We've heard the word of the Lord today. So, Pat, if you um, play, and we'll just let Pat always picks the right song at the right time. So here it is. Let this be our closing prayer. How deep a love you bring Lord, my ears have heard of you And now my eyes have seen You're worthy, you're worthy, you're worthy You're worthy to be praised forever Father. 
sing your worthy one more time. Oh Lord, you're worthy, you're worthy, you're worthy. Got your word, you're worthy to be praised forever and a day. You're worthy, you're worthy, you're worthy, you're worthy. Got your word, you're worthy to be praised. So merciful, merciful God, you are. Well, Lord, we pray that on this Sabbath morn that you were blessed. And that this group of people will never be together exactly like this ever again. Sometimes in time and eternity, we are together. But I would just ask you, Lord, to give us what we can't do for ourselves in understanding mercy. May you peel back our hearts that don't always want to be peeled back. May you help us, Lord, to exercise ourselves the way you have asked us to. And may the world know that you have been sent by our love one for another and the extension of mercy that comes out of us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, as a closing, Erica, where are you? Erica is here. Uh, for our guest, Erica Norton had major surgery. I'm really surprised you're here. I know she wanted to hear Charles today. Also, I've been asked to give an announcement that the third to fifth graders will be meeting out front right afterwards for uh, practice for the little jingles. And yes, the little jingles are backed by popular demand. This is even with COVID. The little jingles will not miss. So um, so that's good, and the coffee's already warm. They're ready to go. God bless you. It's been a great Sunday.